welcome to this latest Tech UK podcast. I'm your host for this one, uh, Ed Bevan. I'm head of SME engagement here at Tech UK, and I'm delighted to be doing this podcast with October's SME members of the week, which, as many of you will know, focused on local digital capital report, which focuses on leveling up. So I'm delighted to say I'm joined today by Edward Cole, CEO of Catalyst Technology, Daniel Lewis, Executive Chair of Arwen Collective, and Simon Hall from Coas Software, and also joined by leveling up expert and dear colleague, Matt Robinson, Head of Nations and Regions. And we're going to be talking about, obviously, focusing on all these SMEs who were members of the week in October, and then also looking more at the LDC report and how SMEs can really play an important part in the leveling up agenda in the digital economy. We have Edward Cole, I'll pass over to you first. Hi, uh, thank you, Ed. My name is Edward Cole. I'm the CEO of Catalyst Technology. Catalyst was founded in March 2019 with the primary purpose of exploring how decentralized technology could deliver value when multiple stakeholders are trying to operate in, in an ecosystem of trust, if you will. Um, our, our first practical application was in the health sector where we built something called a patient journey, a health patient journey for cardiovascular patient. And what this enables is them to capture their wearable data, store their data independently under their own control, and then permission that for analysis with machine learning and computer algorithms, etc. So GPs can monitor them remotely and they can self-monitor themselves. And this enables greater, broader population health to be analysed um, for better outcomes. Thanks, Ed. Uh, Daniel, let's, let's hear from you. My name is Daniel Lewis. I am the founder and executive chair of Arwen Collective. Um, we are a Welsh uh, industrial cybersecurity company. What we're doing is we're really trying to reduce cyber risk within uh, industrial sectors such as energy, water, transportation and manufacturing. I founded the company in 2017, grown that to, uh, uh, to, to two two digits uh, these days. Most of us are based in Wales as well. And um, the, the way that we're really tackling this problem is by really addressing the, the problems out there within industrial sectors. And, and that's largely around visibility in devices uh, within industrial environments and the, um, the, the vulnerabilities that are attached to those devices. We increase that visibility within those organizations uh, so that they can do something uh, about their risk beforehand. And of course, we help them along the way. Brilliant. Thanks, Daniel. And Simon? My name's Simon Hall. I'm the founder and CEO of Coa Software. Uh, Coa Software is based up in the Tees Valley and is a software as a service company. We build platforms to address the specific needs of frontline workers, such as police public safety, health, other, uh, social care, and uh, any organization that uh, requires digital evidential uh, data to be processed. And a little bit of information about PoliceBox, which is our digital frontline mobility platform, specifically for PoliceBox. For police, it was actually named after PoliceBox because it was really designed to actually allow officers to spend more time out in the community and less time back at the station and make them more efficient. And uh, last but no means least, Matt. Thanks, Ed. Yeah, I'm Matt Robinson, Head of Nations and Regions for Tech UK. I've been involved with working with our members across Tech UK to develop the local digital capital index, which was launched only a couple of weeks ago, looking at the strength of the tech ecosystem across the UK. 
Okay, let's just start with you then, Matt. Just given so this this month we decided to sort of look at our SMEs and, and the leveling up agenda, particularly because we've got this um local digital capital index report just published, um, which people can find on the website. But just give us a, just a very brief overview of what it is and uh, and what it means for the tech sector. Yeah, thanks, Ed. Um, I, we started work as Tech UK on this during the pandemic. I think everybody could see the reliance on tech and that things were changing as part of the economy. You know, what the pandemic had meant was that people were more reliant on the tech sector, that it was enabling services to continue and it was connecting people like never before. And that wasn't going to slow down and isn't slowing down, actually. What we really needed to understand is, firstly, what made up the building blocks of a strong tech sector in different parts of the UK? And secondly, where that strength was as well. So we did a piece of work with our stakeholders, with people in local government and national government, Tech UK members, and actually we developed the concept of local digital capital. And it has eight building blocks that underpin it. Digital infrastructure, digital skills, digital adoption, trade, research and development, finance and investment, collaboration, and data ecosystems. And those are all what is needed to make up a strong tech ecosystem across the UK. You need to make sure that they're connected, that people are collaborating. You need to make sure that actually it isn't just about the tech sector as well. It's about what that does for other sectors, as you've already heard Edward, Daniel and, and Simon saying, and I'm certain they're going to say a little bit more about that in a minute. So for us, we, we found those building blocks. The next step was then looking at the strengths across the UK. And this year, I'm pleased we've gone even more focused, I suppose, in our geographic areas that we've looked at. Previously, we looked at things looking at Scotland or Wales or, or, uh, or you know, Yorkshire and Humber. Now we've actually gone further down into what are more cohesive city regions that people would understand <laughs> them as and, and more of those areas. And that's meant that the data is far more useful for policymakers, far more useful for businesses, but far more useful also for us making that case for levelling up and the tech sector across the UK. We need to make sure we get away from this idea of London and the Southeast being where everybody needs to be based to have a strong business or to employ people or to actually lead change. We're now at a stage where we're showing people that it doesn't matter whether you're in Wales or Manchester or the Outer Hebrides, actually you can have a, a strong business, but you've got to get these fundamentals right as well. Um, and so that's a job for government, that's a job for the sector, but the potential and the, I suppose, the prize on offer is huge for the economy. Yeah, thanks, Matt. I just could pick up on <clears throughs> a few of the things you said and ask some of the panel that. Because one of the things you said immediately was about the collaboration and the importance of collaboration. So, uh, Daniel, I'm going to come to you first because that was a big area for your business with the collaborating in, in Wales with the universities and the public sector. So how important has, has that been for our collective and and you know, helping you do further research and development in the region itself. I'll start by saying that that when I when I first started Arwen Collective, I was actually a senior researcher at the University of South Wales, and um, yeah, it it was there really that that I first started to look into the the problem of cybersecurity within in industrial sectors. One of the challenges that academia quite often has is is being able to commercialize the innovation that is done within those universities. Um, it's a real big challenge. Quite often it's not exactly commercializable, but usually there are some good ideas there. 
And so it, it's been my, my goal from founding the company to, to ensure that we have quite a strong relationship with academia. Innovation does, of course, happen within business, but it does happen within academia as well. And so, for example, we've, we've built up quite close relationships with our, our local universities. Um, a lot of our hires have been graduates uh, from local universities. And then that's actually evolved into, into a few closer relationships with the, with the universities. So, for example, we are involved in a new hub that is being developed at, at Cardiff University, um, specifically around uh, cybersecurity. And, and of course, we're feeding into the industrial side of that. And, um, and we're also working quite closely with the, um, the, the University of Wales, Trinity St. David as well. They are traditionally very industrial focused and we're, we're starting a, a few new things around manufacturing security. So um, there are things in the pipeline. Um, it'll be a kind of mixture of research and uh, educating the, the local ecosystems. But, um, you know, that it, it's two way, really. We're, we're feeding into the universities and the universities are, are feeding into, into us um, so that we can grow better within the region. I suppose part of you, you picked about graduates because the sort of skills angle is a huge one. And I'm going to pivot to another part of the UK, Tees Valley, and to you, Simon, because you know, it's not been so much the graduates, but the apprenticeships. And I'm just keen, you know, with there being such a shortage of people with digital skills, tech skills, but you've had some success in Coas using apprenticeships in Tees Valley in particular. I'm just keen to hear a bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So, you know, we've actually had some very positive experience about using apprentices. You know, we're an SME uh, and actually sometimes we can't compete with, uh, you know, when you're trying to build up your workforce, you, you know, you can't compete with some of the bigger companies. So what we did is we, we've taken a strategic role to try and actually say, well, how can we grow our company using things like apprenticeships would be a good start. But, uh, you know, and we've actually got two, two, um, uh, two positions filled, one in marketing and one in development. In order to actually achieve this, we, you know, we actually used a Darlington-based apprenticeship training provider called Baltic, and uh, uh, they actually helped us to... Um, narrow down and select uh, the uh, the candidates but both yeah both apprentices we actually had both had uh, had jobs but neither of them uh, wanted worked in the tech sector and they wanted to move over the tech sector so it was actually a benefit all round because you know right from day one we actually got to sort of a reasonably experienced and highly motivated people who really wanted to to get uh, to get stuff going in uh, you know in uh, in the tech sector and the benefit is to them is that we've been building their confidence, uh, gaining the experience in the sector that they want to work in. And it's actually, you know, it's um, it's been a bit of a change from from both of their backgrounds. But, uh, you know, so far, it's been absolutely fantastic. And has that required a lot of sort of on the job training from you guys? So you're kind of they're, they're doing it as they go type thing rather than somebody coming with a, you know, uh, postgraduate degree or something like that. Well, yeah, exactly. But I mean, they're on this. Uh, uh, you know, they're on a, a training scheme, so they actually have projects to do, and we try and actually work out what how that project can fit in with some of the needs of the business. So we, you know, we we just a bit like put them on uh, baby steps, or we put them on little trainer things that they, uh, you know, to actually get going. And as they get more and more confident, you know, we're actually giving them more and more responsible type. Uh, roles within the organization and you know uh, so far they've been absolutely amazing yeah because matt i think what 
local digital capital index report shows is skills just comes up time and time again as a challenge particularly for digital businesses and so it's quite interesting there sort of two examples one the kind of university collaboration and then also the apprenticeship so that there's different mechanisms in every part of the uk that smes businesses can use to kind of fill that skills gap absolutely and i think that you've heard from simon and daniel they're saying firstly we need to move away from this idea of move to London to work in the tech sector. Actually, great pieces of innovation happening all across the UK from SMEs doing pieces of work where they need a talented workforce and they're investing in one as well to develop their growth. But secondly, how you partner with universities as well and, and build that those collaborative relationships. This idea that we're going to have a, a talent pipeline of everybody being one size fits all that comes out at the end of universities or at the end of school just isn't going to be there. It's going to involve actually piecing this together um, and fitting it together to make sure it works for the tech sector. And when we were developing the index, that's what we found. There was, it, it's essential that we get skills right. And that is, means skills for the population as a whole. It means skills for people who work in tech, but it means skills also for people who work using tech as well. Yeah. So we've got to get those, you imagine this as a stool, we've got to get those three bits of the stool right to make sure that the seat can stand up. And that digital adoption point is a, is a really critical part of levelling up as well, enabling non, because, uh, you know, this on this podcast, as panel, we're all tech-focused, you know, tech-focused roles. We, we understand the importance of it, but it's getting them businesses that aren't interested or don't necessarily, they're not so digital companies, but utilising digital adoption could benefit them in a, in a number of ways. And Ed, that's kind of what you've been doing with, with Catalyst and, and the kind of exporting agenda, isn't it? Like trying to develop technology and, and blockchain in particular to kind of support SMEs to export and, and how that sort of could develop, you know, SMEs export potential um, yeah, exactly. across the UK. Yeah, you're covering a number of subjects here, but the skills level is people having to do skills or repeat skills, which are, can very often be done with automation. So I think one of the biggest problems you have is, well, legal skills. Well, legal skills are expensive. Administrative processes are very slow and time consuming and potentially full of mistakes. And actually very often these aren't the things that the business is particularly focused on. So if you, and so to make this clear, so we're, we're a SaaS company, the same as possible the others. So our technology, you can adopt anywhere in the country as a capability and a, and a tool set. And you can plug it into effectively um, the network, the internet, if you will. It's the next, what a, lot, a lot of people call it the next level of the internet, a safer, more secure internet where you're able to store your data locally or have it hosted for you, but you're, you're controlling that. Now, what this allows you as an SME to do is build up a profile of yourself. Who are you? And that, once you've described who you are, computers can basically then take you on a journey, if you will. I am a, uh, I'm a, well, I'll put it the other way. I'm an African coffee grower. I turn up and say, I'm an African uh, coffee grower. What quality is it? Where is it? How much of it have you got? And when are you ready for shipment? And then other people on the network can fill in the missing pieces from you to the last mile, if you will. And that includes filling in the regulatory forms, administrative processes, uh, such that you're not, you're not having to be an expert in filling in regulatory forms. And to do this, we need... Um, innovation across the UK. We need responsibility and ownership of regulatory documents so that you can find the latest, most complete version. And also you can have computers reading 
Uh, so you don't have to keep repeating the same information. So you kind of have, so the, the, what we have um, have developed is a, the idea of an SME portable profile, if you will, a portable mobile wallet that acts as your representative, representative and your supply chain governance and enabling tool for access to the internet marketplace. This automates the legal and administrative processes to speed market transactions with anyone from anywhere at any time, but with that surety and confidence that you don't need a human eye to look over every document. And so to round up really, what, what we hope to achieve is to give somebody a very basic capability, if you will, to manage their affairs. And that includes mapping their staff, a communication capability for their staff, mapping their fixed assets, being able to pick up data from their IoT devices, store this information safely, analyze that data using machine learning and these type of algorithms, and potentially then use this profile to explore the marketplace, because the marketplace is becoming more and more um, smarter, if you will, and more and more private information is being shared. And actually, these are really challenging problems. How do you keep that data uh, confidential, compliant, used in the right way? And, 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 and these are the type of uh, problems that we solve for SMEs to enable them to do business more readily. Because I, I think it was in your blog, SME member of the week blog, that sort of flagged that and actually London is, if you're exporting, you're more likely to be based in London. And the southeast uh, may have been picked up the audio. So a tool that you're sort of talking about in theory can sort of help, you know, an exporter in you know, North Yorkshire, for example, who's never thought about exporting because they think it's too complicated, actually could start doing it. I, I think that's bang on. I mean, I'll, I'll give you some numbers from Sage. 375,000 UK SMEs of exportable goods, but are not currently exporting. SMEs who are exporting are more likely to be based in London. Yet if the UK were to level up access to international trade in different parts of the UK, it could unlock an annual 290 billion in the economy. So there's a great, you know, you can, it speaks for itself. There's a huge opportunity here. But yeah. that 290 billion is blocked if, you know, accessing the tools and the capabilities. You know, if, you're, if you have to hire three staff to do all the work and, and all the rest of it for you to do this, you know, it becomes, and you need to be able to, identify your markets you need to know and compliance isn't going away sustainable me sustainability measurement and understanding you know the whole cost of delivering goods or or bringing components together these problems aren't going away and so they're and i'm not necessarily sure people want they still want to get the benefits of the analysis but they can't do this on an each you know there needs to be collaborative software if you will or and so we're, what we try and do to make this happen is to work with affiliations and trade groups so that they can deliver a common technology across their network. And this is not dissimilar to how Lloyd solved problems back in the 1700s, when they had lots of people writing different insurance documentations, lots of different standards across a common organization, but it wasn't effective in delivering uh, value, if you will, to the insurance supply chain. And I think we have to start thinking in those terms about how do we bring in trade groups? How do we build in these workshops? How do we test in the areas how technology, doesn't matter whether technology is built and designed, it, it actually matters how you can scale it and improve it locally with people who actually understand the market place locally, if you will, a bit more. So that's how I would recommend. I mean, I can't do that. As a business, you can't do that on your own. 
you know, I can't necessarily find those collaborative marketplaces. But I think, as Daniel said, he's probably had similar problems when dealing with infrastructure type cybersecurity things. You have to be talking to the universities. You need to be, it needs to be a two-way dialogue, but it has to be focused on delivering commercial value. One thing we do do is uh, we work with the an NHS Nottingham School of Medicine, NHS. And what we're trying to do there is offer them a capability where they build the top end tools, the capabilities and the functionalities, but we build that infrastructure that allows them to test different business models in particularly in, 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 the, in the health journey in their case. Daniel, I'm gonna go back to you because I know your um Arwen does a lot around international trade. I think just been out to the Middle East, haven't you, or somewhere like that. So I think this is again a, another important area for you. And it clearly a key area that I think we need to crack around the leveling up agenda is encouraging more to export and the collaboration piece, come back to your collaboration piece again, hasn't it? Of kind of that network and then taking that internationally. Uh yeah, firstly I want to kind of congratulate uh the UK government's Department for International Trade for for opening up offices around the UK. Uh, to specifically focus on the the countries and the regions of the UK. So, for example, we we have a DIT office specifically for Wales now that is um is doing a, a great job of connecting with uh, companies across across Wales, especially SMEs, to try to get them on the uh, on the world stage. Uh, you know, to to various trade exhibitions, to um, uh, trade missions and so on. And this is in addition to what the Welsh government is doing as well. So um, we have we have support from both the UK and the, the, the Welsh governments. And it's it's really helping us to get our name out there. It's seeing Welsh companies and Welsh technologies actually promote themselves and promote Wales as well. So it's really, it's really, really good the, the support that, that we've we've personally had. Yeah, I think it's getting better. It's getting better. Uh, I think back to to, to 2017, 2018, um, the, the support was there, but um, I think now it's becoming more professional, more outwards focused and um, and the support's definitely out there for those that are, that are looking for it. And I would urge every SME to to, to look for it because yeah. you'll find. Absolutely. Because Matt, we again, go back to the LDC index, that's what we found with it. Areas or you know city towns that did well were the ones that had good trade, international trade and investment support. Absolutely, and I think it depends on you. You got to understand your specialism. You got to understand what you're trying to trade and how you want to do that, and make sure you you really got your head around that. But we, you know, the index did fine. We've got a challenge with a north-south divide and an urban-rural divide. Um, and some people might say, well, yeah, that's obvious. I'm not sure we've really ever quantified that before I really understood that the scale of it before when we've done this index um, and if I give an example on this if you are in the southwest of England and you can't get a um, you can't get a, 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 you know connected to the internet you've got problems doing that all of a sudden the incentives and the ability to be able to trade start to diminish you, you you've got as, as Edward said you've got windows that you need to be building documents in for you, you want to have the, this wallet and uh, there you want to be connected and show that you're connected and it's reliable when you're going all over the world if you simply can't do that because the digital infrastructure isn't right it will knock on to these other components that are there so i i don't think there's a silver bullet and i would say you solve one you solve all of them you've got to see them in the round and have a vision and the activity to solve them all in the round as well yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing that struck out in this discussion um, is that collaboration and, and, and what 
Ed, you were talking about the kind of innovation side of things. Because Simon, your your tech sort of supplied to is it, um, um, investigations and things like that. So you you know a lot of our members sort of are interested in the public sector, obviously, like members like yourself. And I, mm-hmm. I've always sort of thought that you know a public sector that's willing to procure innovative technologies and things like that is actually really conducive for the leveling up agenda because you can start supplying you know engaging with smes within that area to kind of develop these exciting technologies and then procure them so i i guess that's kind of what you know police box other things can do it can sort of starting to generate this business and area and supply it to digital adoption to different parts of the uk different police forces and things like that yeah, well, absolutely. I think, um, uh, I mean, there's the, the, the good news is, you know, we, I've been in business for a number of years. It's only just the last few years where people have started to adopt things like uh, Microsoft 365, Azure, and uh, uh, AWS. Uh, and now that actually the public sector has started to get behind it, then uh, you can start to see how things can significantly move, uh, you know, from the sort of, uh, I guess, the snail's pace or glacial pace that... Uh, Things seem to move at the moment, but uh, just also picking up on uh, a couple of your things, I'd also like to give a shout out to the to DIT because uh, you know what we did when we uh, designed police box for frontline police officers, we realised that uh, there's there's not just frontline policing in the UK; it's a global thing. So uh, first thing we did was actually we made sure we internationalised the platform, and then what happened? We uh, yeah the DIT we've actually uh, um, attended the International Association of Chiefs of Police exhibition and conference with them for three years now getting really good support from them but i mean there are some interesting things that we we have to do certainly with our platform because um clearly you know when you start talking about evidential data and things like that you you really need to be aware of i guess data sovereignty yeah so we can't just run everything from the uk so what we need to do is work with international partners who understand more the legal side the law and the culture of of uh, you know, I guess the the customer base. Again, we're going back to that collaboration point again. I guess really, aren't we? I I guess looking to sort of sum up now as well. If if you're an SME and you look at your digital SME and looking to scale up, go back to you, Simon. Why why Tees Valley? Why why would you choose Tees Valley? Why has that been a great place to sort of start well, and, and expand Coes's journey? Well, I mean, from from our point of view, and I think you've already touched on it, is that. Um, uh, the, the obviously the UK is quite a big place. You know, I'm a, I'm a northerner myself, but actually on the other side of the Pennines. So uh, a lot of my staff come from the Tees Valley, and uh, they're just such good people. And people don't really want to have to, you know, if you want to get a job, you don't necessarily want to have to go and move to London or one of the big cities. You want to be able to do your job where you are. And what we want to do is actually give more back to the local community. And we thought we could do that. Uh, within Tees Valley and uh, and also Tees Valley themselves actually have uh, created a digital city so they're very much on board with uh, with what we're trying to do so it, it, you know uh, it, it's a it's a great place to it's a great place to be and Ed you're not you're I think you're based just outside but Catalyst is sort of all over you've got colleagues in Bolton and things like that so I suppose that remoteness is kind of is that supporting the leveling up Jenny you know you could I mean, we're dispersed. People and they work from home where they choose to work from, honestly. But as I said before, we 
we really ship versions of our software to people and then you know as a sort of operating capability and then they can build the tools and capabilities bespoke to them from where they are so it enables people not just to use a toolkit for a particular trade purpose if you will but also to potentially build it out in areas with their local industry. So it's not just a one platform for exporting goods, for example, although it can play that role. It also allows to, you to communicate and manage your assets locally. What we'd really like to see is a number of incubate, you know, our, our technology supporting incubation across the country. It just happens that we support the international trade agenda because it's so suitable for the whole supply chain tracking. It's becoming so much more difficult to SMEs need to show that the provenance of their products, if they're regulated, is being tracked from, to, uh, from, from first mile to last mile. They need to be able to demonstrate that they're, they're meeting all the human rights agendas. If, or, or, you know, as an exporter and an exporter, you're not importing goods which have not been um, made in the appropriate ways. There's lots of challenges in around international trade. So it's not fair to necessarily assume it's an easy journey for SMEs to participate in. I think we do need measured, sensible people to come together in these areas, um, such as Teesside, you know, these affiliations and membership clubs to come together to deliver a local capability. And I think that's where we can help. And, and Daniel, to you, you know, based in Wales, you know, why should somebody pick Wales rather than, well, not even over another place, but, you know, uh, you know if, if you're somebody like yourself coming out of university, why, why perhaps stay in Wales rather than, you know, thinking about leaving to, to one of the other cities? So I'm not, I'm not Welsh. Uh, originally, I was born and raised in Kent, uh, and then moved to Oxford, and then Bristol, and then over the water into uh, into Wales. So I like to it's a thing that I've got a somewhat objective view on this. But uh, yeah, I moved to Wales in 2015. It's just been a really lovely place to 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 live and work. You know, we have access to the countryside. We have wonderful talent as well. You know, Wales has one of the strongest cybersecurity clusters, not only in the UK, but in Europe. You know, we have loads of, of cyber SMEs. We have great universities producing great graduates within cybersecurity and in technology in general. And so I, I, I strongly believe that we're building up this, this great talent pipeline and ecosystem within Wales. And it's been a really good place to to start the business and and grow. Yeah, and then Matt, I'll give you the final word. I'll be biased. I live in Leicestershire, so you know, well, I think the best tech could happen. But Matt's going to be biased about Leeds and and West Yorkshire being the best place. But I think what a lot of this sort of discussion around all these different areas is. As you often say, Matt, all ships rise on a high tide and actually different areas can offer really different things and, and there's no reason why they all can't prosper and, and, and develop well in, the, in terms of digital economies. Absolutely. And, and learn from each other, share best practice, what's working, what isn't working. Um, you know, I, I was with somebody the other day and they said, you know, never come across a good idea I wouldn't borrow. And, uh, and I think that's it. You know, you can start to see how local authorities, combined authorities and others start to work with each other, start to partner um, and develop this. And, and from our recommendations, we definitely need better data to understand this. We need to make sure we, we've got better data that's going in, we're tracking it better, um, but that digital strategies are up to date and fit for purpose as well. I think there are too many occasions where a digital strategy gets written and it's a PDF and it's never sat, you know, reviewed and gone back to. And actually in the tech sector, they can be out of date very, very quickly. And, and so we need to make sure that we are constantly on the front foot because 
as you've just heard from these three brilliant businesses, this isn't just about the UK, it's global as well. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much. Huge thanks to my guests, Daniel, Simon uh, and Ed for, for taking time to kind of speak of that. Really interesting insights from, from three great SMEs. If you want to find out about more of these three, you can see all their SME Member of the Week blogs on our website. Just, just search for them on our website. Matt, just very quickly, if people want to know more about LDC, it's all on our website. Yeah, it's all on our Nations and Regions hub, including a series of roundtables that will be coming up starting in early 2023, going across the UK, working with our members, with local authorities, combined authorities, governments uh, as well. Um, we're developing the index further for 2023, so we're really interested in that feedback. We want to make sure it's something that's usable and something that works for business. Brilliant. Thanks, Matt. Huge thanks once again to all the guests um, for joining me today. You know, anybody who would like to be an SME member of the week, go to the SME Connect page and you'll see the where you can submit a case study. And this month's theme is currently sustainability. And we've got one next month on social impact. So hopefully look forward to seeing some more of these SMEs doing some podcasts like this. Thank you very much, everybody. And thanks a lot.